Now we're seeing a rise in, in, in mental health issues, suicide, transgender, LGBTQ, all these issues are on the rise. Maybe we should stop for one second and point out the obvious. And that is that the schools, the schools are not the place to handle them. And welcome, everybody, to another amazing episode of the Andrew Cooperetter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperetter, your wonderful uh, state treasurer candidate, Republican conservative uh, candidate for Kentucky State Treasurer, coming at you today with another amazing episode. We're going to cover a couple of topics. We're going to talk about the horrific story of Sage, the little girl from, not, well, teenage girl um, from Virginia who suffered extreme issues and, and problems at the hands of our uh, corrupt and far-left court systems that are purveying our country and our states, and how that then relates to Kentucky and what we need to do to ensure that this kind of story doesn't happen in Kentucky. Additionally, as well, we're going to talk about the uh, Ford attempts to build a battery plant in Virginia, similar to the battery plant being built in Kentucky, and the Virginia Governor Yunkin, Republican, says, hey, this is too many ties to China, shuts that down. We're going to be talking about that, what its implications are, how its deal is different than the Ford deal here in Kentucky, but also how it's similar and some issues talking about that as well. Um, thank you guys, though, for joining me. Please hit the share, hit the comment, hit the like, hit the subscribe button. Um, please follow along. If, if you're listening to this, you're like, look, I like listening to these, but I can't sit and leave open Facebook or YouTube uh, the whole time, then please, you can go check out the podcast-only form. It's available on Spotify, Google, Apple, all the places where podcasts are available. Go there, listen, um, learn, share this with others, and let's dive into it. Today, we're going to start off with this horrific story coming, well, I guess Virginia, Maryland, Texas, all involved in this about... Um, this girl named Sage. Sage is a young girl who started to, I guess, identify as transgender and then ran away from home in Virginia. Now, understand this, Sage, uh, the, that her, her biolog she's biologically female, her name biologically Sage. Um, so Sage's father passed away and then her uh, by blood grandparents adopted her grandmother adopted her in and and became her legal guardian after her father passed and of course like any teen dealing with this she became very troubled had a lot of issues she was dealing with there as as any teen would well it turns out that um and and this kind of covers a little bit later in the story that she she was preyed upon by the corrupt school systems there in Virginia and some activists, uh, guidance counselors who lack any training at all to be able to properly handle this, but decide to interject themselves into the situation because they're a bunch of crazy indoctrinated bloodthirsty. I, I don't even understand. It's like they want to they want to sacrifice these children's youth at the altar of their weird sexualized cult or something. But anyways, so they attempt to indoctrinate this, this young girl and convince her that she's a boy. So she runs away from home and is found in Baltimore, Maryland with a convicted sex offender finds out she was, um, she was uh, abducted. She runs away from home, was abducted, uh, uh, horrifically, uh, assaulted, sexually assaulted, and, and quite awful. So Maryland has her. Keep in mind, 
She's not committed any crimes in Maryland. She's not charged with a crime in Maryland. Maryland just simply has found her with in a, in a compromised situation and her legal parents come to pick her up. And that's when now the crazed far left Maryland legal system gets involved and says, look, we're not going to return you. So some prosecutor there decides that they're going to try to withhold Sage from being turned over to her uh, uh, biological grandmother, but adopted parents, adopted guardians, because they are not properly uh, uh, buying into her transgenderness enough. And they, they made their case for why they were set parents. And the judges are like, they're putting together programs for the child and everything else that they say they're going to roll the child in to help her out. And the, the the judge says, well, you can't put her in that because that's a girl's program and this and, and she's identifying as a boy. And so they decide, keep in mind, she hasn't she hasn't committed crime. She's not a resident of Maryland. She's a resident of Virginia. Maryland has no legal basis, but they decide to not return this child to the parent. They put an anklet on her and put her in a in a boy's um, group home because she's now identifying as a boy. Well, surprise, surprise looks like while she was unfortunately in this boy's home, she was once again, sexually assaulted. Now this is all according to the daily wire. So she's once again, sexually assaulted while in this boy's group home. She's 14 years old guys, 14 years old. So she's found herself abducted and sexually trafficked in Baltimore. And then the authorities come in grab her, won't return her to the parents, put her in a biological male group home where she's once again assaulted, surprise, surprise, because the home you're putting them in is more troubled youth, and it's not really a, a big shock that troubled young boys, when a girl is thrown in there, are they're, they're not great people, clearly, and, and, and maybe they've done bad things, maybe they're just troubled, whatever that means, but generally speaking, in this group home, they're not exactly the nicest upon nice people. And I'm bringing that up to say that you're literally throwing them to the wolves. It's like throwing a, a woman into a male prison and then being shocked that she gets sexually assaulted. Of course, that's what's going to happen. These are terrible, not great people. For whatever reason, I'm not saying they can't be rehabilitated or whatever. That's a different conversation. I'm just saying you are literally throwing a sheep to the wolves. And so after 10 days being held in Maryland's custody, she cuts her anklet and runs away to Texas, gets end up found in Texas, where the Texas authorities promptly turn her over to the grandparents. Well, while this young girl, Sage, is in at back home talking to the parents, she starts to tell them about what happened. And this young girl, Sage, says, First, she starts telling, telling her, her grandparent about how the prosecutor in Maryland asked her to lie, lie about being beaten, lying about being taken care of, and lie about having to cook her own meals and everything else. But then we find out, then we find out that there is a, a, another issue. There's another issue with the school in Virginia that she was going to. So the, the public school she's going to in Virginia started secretly beginning the process of transitioning this child at school without telling the parent. So the parent doesn't even know what's going on per se with the child. 
because the school is hiding it from them. And so we find out, one, that the prosecutor's office in Maryland indoctrinating this child, telling them to lie because of their transgender suffrage, suffering. And now it turns out that the public school that Sage was going to in Virginia was hiding from the parents, indoctrinating her. Not hiding, just indoctrinating her and hiding. Now, what does that have to do with Kentucky? Well, guys, I'm, I'm going to read to you Kentucky's, a line here from Kentucky's. I've covered this once before, but, but understand this, this policy, because it's a very short leap to go from hiding this from the parents to indoctrinating this. Because when you don't have to involve the parents in the conversation, you can indoctrinate very easily. And in the state of Kentucky, the stated policy is this. This is from the Kentucky Department of Education under consideration for using preferred names. You can see it's dated September 2022, so it's for this school year. Now, I'm going to read this to you. Now, remember, this policy is so egregious that there was a principal in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, in Anderson County, that refused to follow it and was, uh, uh, I believe, suspended or fired, I think fired, regardless, removed from duty by the Board of Education there for refusing to follow this guideline in the state of Kentucky. Here it goes. Is it ever appropriate for a school to disclose sexual orientation or gender identity to a parent or caregiver? And it states, in some instances, it may be, may be appropriate for school leaders to disclose sexual orientation or gender identity to a parent or caregiver. Whenever possible, schools should seek to avoid an involuntary disclosure by providing support to students and encouraging them to self-disclose when they feel safe to do so. An involuntary disclosure may be necessary in instances where immediate concern for the health and safety of the student outweigh the long-term concerns posed by an involuntary disclosure. For example, if an educator learns that a student is planning to run away from home due to fears related to their sexual orientation or gender identity, it'd be appropriate to inform the parents of this immediate risk without consent from the student. In this scenario, it's important to remember that while the risk of running away from home presently outweighs the risk related to the involuntary disclosure, the disclosure has introduced new risk of self-harm and suicidal ideation or behavior into life of the students, which should be monitored. So the stated policy of the Kentucky Department of Education is... You should avoid this. No, you should always tell them when the kids, you are not their therapist. The schools are not their therapist. If the child is struggling with something, it is absolutely their job to the parent and caregiver. In this same document, they talk about how they need to make sure that they feel accepted at school. And they got to make sure that students feel recognized and that the school's a safe place and they can come and talk to the school about things without having to be worried about the parents finding out. That's ridiculous. The school should never be a safe place for the students to go talk to and not have to worry about the parents finding out. That is not their role. That is not their job. That is not what they're empowered to do. It is the role of the schools to educate. It is the role of the schools to allow the parent to know when something's going on with their child and then allow the parent to deal with it. It is not the role of the schools to provide this kind of care. You wonder why we're spending so much money per student 
and yet they can't read or write or do basic math and they're graduating with an inability to even function as a basic adult. It's because we're spending so much darn of our money creating endless administrators and mental health professionals to do the role that the school was never asked to do in the first place. The school, the school, the school, <laughs> the school was never asked to be a mental health professional. If I want my son to go to a mental health professional, I'll take him to a mental health professional. One of my choosing and one that's not going to hide things from me so I'm aware of what's going on with my child. Because understand this, they just said, well, if it becomes evident that runaway is possible, you should alert them. Okay, so the school, the Kentucky Department of Education is already admitting in this document. And I know I've covered this document once or four months ago. But the schools are already admitting in this document that when a child begins identifying as different sexualities or genders, that they may become a runaway risk. So the schools are admitting that the children are becoming runaway risk at this part. And then instead of alerting the parents and saying, hey, your child's doing this thing, and just so you know, the risks with that include running away, self-harm, and everything else, the school has decided to allow that one guidance counselor or that one teacher who gets told about it to somehow make the call based upon they don't know what because what are they really trained in but to make that call on their own to decide whether or not they're trying to figure out well is this student going to run away or not you just admitted they're at risk of running away because of this issue and then you're not going to tell the parents you've admitted that they're at risk for committing suicide or self-harm and you're not going to alert the parents to it? No, because what this document, document, what this document insinuates, and this is the disgusting part, and this is what tells you why our schools are so broken, and this is what tells you why it is so incredibly, incredibly important, important that we put in place legislation to ensure that the schools cannot continue to act this way. Because what the schools are saying is, is that it is somehow because of the parents that they want to run away or commit suicide. Think about this. They're saying that if you alert the parents to knowing about the kid, their sexuality and everything else, you're now opening that child up to the risk of killing themselves. It is the school's official position. It is the official position of the Kentucky Department of Education based upon this document that parents knowing what's going on with their child will kill the parent, will kill the child. If parents know about the child's sexuality or they know about the child re-identifying or things like that, it increases the likelihood of them killing themselves or harming themselves. What? And then you're also supposed to make the call on whether or not they're going to run away or not. This is out of control and this is crazy. And the fact this is happening more and more, the fact that suicide rates are skyrocketing, mental health issues are skyrocketing, and all these issues are becoming more and more prevalent, tells you it is not working. We don't need to dump more money into our K-12 schools so they can continue to handle issues that they can't even deal with. So they can continue to fail. They are failing at handling these issues because the outcomes are making it clear. Kids can't read. They can't write. They don't understand what's going on. The literacy rates are dropping. They can't function. 
within society. And then on top of that, now we're seeing a rise in, in, in mental health issues, suicide, transgender, LGBTQ, all these issues are on the rise. Maybe we should stop for one second and point out the obvious. And that is that the schools, the schools are not the place to handle this. They fail. They suck at it. They should stop it. Fire them. Fire the mental health professionals at your school. The results speak for themselves. They suck. Instead, have your guidance counselors, and when there is a child suffering with these things, alert the parents to it. Call me crazy, but maybe of the parent who cares more about that child than you ever will. And don't you dare say you care more about that child than the parent does. The majority of these kids, the majority, I understand there's bad parents out there. And I understand that if you're in the inner city areas or something like that, sometimes you're dealing with that. I get it. But the vast, vast majority of these kids have loving parents that care more about them than you ever will. They are their own flesh and blood. Allow them to deal with the problem. And then if you continue to have a student who you are, are, or who you, who is not having a parent there, and you can tell, I'll, I'll tell you how you can tell. You ready? Is the kid being picked up on time? Are they completing their homework? Are they showing up to school on time? What's their attendance like? Does the, does the parent express interest in knowing what the homework situation is with the kid? About what are you working on? What are you not? What is the kid doing with their time at school? Are they attentive to your issues? If the answer is yes, you don't need to worry about injecting yourself into their social problems. It's that simple, but instead you can be doing all those things, but you know, because you're a Christian and because you want to raise your kids with some moral values, now the schools also think you're a bad parent. It's ridiculous. And it's out of control. And it's important that our legislature are going to handle on this. And there are some bills coming out here in the next few weeks. Uh, I believe Shane Baker has won a parental bill of rights to make sure the schools understand that this kind of behavior will not be continued and we will not stand for it. And I encourage you guys to support that legislation there because the story like young Miss Sage who had to be repeatedly sexually assaulted, abused, raped, trafficked, the age of 14, it's because of that corrupt system nothing to do with her parents it's because of these crazed leftists that have decided to take over our systems that is why it happened that's who's at fault and Kentucky has the beginnings of that same thought processes and we have got to put our foot down parents deserve to know what's going on with their kids period moving into our next story Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin says no, no, no to a Ford battery plant in Virginia. So to, to remind you here, a few years ago, a year and a half or so ago, our state gave $410 million to Ford. Um, and, and I'm not going to rehash all this out. But what is important to know in this conversation is when the legislators voted to give $410 million to a company, they actually didn't know who it was and they didn't know what they were building. And this becomes important later on in the story. So it's important to know that, um, so like five or six people in our government 
Um, nobody else knew who this $410 million was going to. They didn't know what was happening with the deal. Um, all they knew was $410 million and it was super good idea. Trust us. And they voted to give them the money. That's literally all they knew. There was like NDAs and stuff in place. Like that is all they knew. So that isn't like conjecture me overstate. Like literally they had no idea what the project was. Trust me. I talked to a lot of legislators after the vote. They literally had no idea. Putting that to the side. In Virginia, there was a similar deal trying to be struck between Ford and, um, and Virginia. And Ford was putting in place this battery plant. Now, here's the thing. With the battery plant here in Kentucky, Ford partnered with SK. Um, that's a South Korean company. I'm pretty sure the SK stands for South Korea. That's a South Korean battery manufacturer. Uh, I believe they're currently working with Volkswagen in Tennessee. Um, and so that was the battery manufacturer they went with for the Ford deal. But in Virginia, they were going with uh, a, a battery manufacturer um, out of China called CATL, I, I guess cattle batteries. I don't know if they actually say CATL or cattle, but <laughs> CATL out of China, okay? And Glenn Youngkin says, look, we're not doing this deal. We're not giving millions of dollars to China um, and these Chinese companies that's a front for the CCP. Now, for those of you who don't know how China works, um, when you do business in China, the, the local government people, first, you're still hiring people that live in China to do that work. And they still live in China. That means they're still subjected to the CCP. And so when something, the Communist Party, comes into your workplace and demands to know information, you have to turn it over to them. It's why IP theft is such IP uh, uh, theft. By China is such a big problem because when you do business in China, your IP is up there because the people in charge of your IP are Chinese, generally speaking, because they live there and they care more about, um, of course, what China thinks of them than what you think of them because one can kill them. The other one might fire them, I guess. Um, maybe. I mean, and so this is a known thing. People know that this is an issue. There's this wonderful documentary I watched one time called The China Hustle. Um, where it talks about how these companies work and it's, it's how they start their IP theft. A lot of times, you know, they'll work out of uh, companies that have a basis in China and kind of work out from there. And, and it's very, very common. And I'm bringing this up for a reason, but anyway, so China also owns companies too. In this case, they own the CATL battery company. And that was who Ford was going to partner with in Virginia. And so they said, look, we're not opening the door for the CCP to be getting their hooks into Virginia. We're going to shut this down. We're not giving them money. This is, this is too much. And we're not giving money to China. Youngkin says that, which is great. And that's a good decision. <clears throat> but let me ask you a question. First, remember that when we voted to give this money to Ford and by we, I mean, not me, but the legislators voted to give this money to Ford. They didn't know who they were giving to, and they also didn't know who Ford was partnering with. And it appears that Ford has uh, some tendencies to partner with overtly owned Chinese companies and their battery plants. Now, let me ask you, Bashir and his economic development had took the lead on this project. Do you think Bashir would have cared that this was a Chinese company? Actually, that might have even been a selling point for him personally be like oh great china i love china the democrats they love china that might have been a selling point for him he wouldn't have cared he doesn't care about selling out kentuckians to china he doesn't care if he gives a chinese company 450 
$410 million, $250 million up front. He doesn't care about that. So if he doesn't care about that, one, we were overtly at risk of giving a bunch of money to a company that a Republican governor out of Virginia says we shouldn't be giving money to. And the legislators were unable to even ask that question because they didn't even know what they were voting on. And of course, probably nobody even thought to ask, does this company have ties to China? But of course, it has to have some ties to China because of where you get lithium and everything else. Well, which begs to ask some rightful questions about the company they did partner with in Kentucky. So, to, so because Virginia is drawing out that Ford has a tendency, apparently, to do their battery business with some questionable companies, is it right now we ask some questions about who? SK? The company partnering with Ford on the battery plant in Kentucky is? Well, I, I did a little search about SK's ties to China. And SK has not one, not two, not three, but four battery plants in China. Now, remember what I said earlier about when you start doing business in China, it opens you up to possible IP theft. And it opens you up also to uh, corporate espionage. And it also opens you up to, of course, being stuck to the predations of China. See, Kentucky is already under a lot of influence, Chinese influence, as far as that goes. And I'm not saying Chinese influence as far as uh, them like puppet mastering per se. I'm saying that one of our number one agricultural exports, soybeans, the number one importer of that is China. When Trump was engaging in trade wars with China, the Kentucky soybean farmer was very worried, and rightfully so, because that's who they were selling soybeans to. And so the question now becomes about this deal. Virginia has brought it up. And the question becomes about this deal. Is this now, can we ask? And what's funny is, is me even asking these questions upsets some Republicans. Because there's a lot of Republicans out there who believe that first, they believe there is nothing, absolutely no sort of icky bad side to giving $410 million to a private company. Despite the fact that the Republican Party platform expressly, expressly has some issue with this. But despite that, and they hate me for talking about it because they know that the average Republican voter, when they find out that $410 million was given to a company to do a project, we didn't know who the company was, we didn't know what they were building, and it was a blind vote taken just to give money to, we don't know who, they know that the average voter has a big issue with that. It's something they're not proud of, so they don't like us talking about it. But also as well, they certainly don't want the deal to look like a bad deal at all. And I'm going to tell you right now, on its face, even without concerns about Chinese ties, which I'll return to in a second, on its face, investing that much money into batteries for electric vehicles is of some concern. Frankly put, the supply lines of raw materials aren't there. The ramp up, the, the need for lithium, copper, things like that, the, it just, it's not there. It's eight to 10 years down the road before we get these mines up. And that's if we can get them up, not to mention lithium and, and some, a lot of these raw materials are coming from China or Chinese controlled company or countries 
That's what the New Silk Road Initiative is all about in China. And so that becomes an issue too. Additionally as well, another conversation that will greatly hamper how much electric vehicles actually become a thing is our power grid systems. They need upgraded to be able to handle electric vehicles. We saw rolling blackouts during our last cold snap. And you want to convince me that we can handle everybody having two electric vehicles? We can't. Am I saying progress shouldn't be made on electric? I don't know. I don't, <coughs> I don't particularly have an issue with electric vehicles. And if that's the direction the private industry wants to go into, good. More power to them. Go in that industry. And hopefully one day it'll be cost-effective enough and great enough and everything else. Maybe even I'll buy an electric vehicle. I don't mind it. Right now, it doesn't make a lot of sense. We've gone over the math on things like the F-150 Lightning, and it costs more than a gas vehicle, period. Lifetime of ownership, period, because of its increased initial price cost and, and the, the, the lifetime of the batteries and everything else. But what I'm saying is, is that you've now asked my opinion on whether or not electric vehicles are a future thing when you decide to put $410 million of our tax dollars into it. But see, that's a real travesty. We were never asked our opinion. Neither were our legislators, technically, because they didn't know what they were voting for. They didn't know what they were contributing to. We never had an opportunity to weigh in on this. Because even a person who slightly understands a little bit of geopolitics knows that any battery manufacturing and any kind of thing like this, especially using Asian countries, like SK is, is an Asian com company, sorry, Asian company, you're going to start asking questions about ties to the CCP. But in this case, it didn't happen. And like I said, SK has four battery plants in China. I believe it is the duty and the right of the citizens to ask questions about this. But I also think the legislators who voted for this need to come back in. And they need to, now that everybody knows who the deal is, they need to have the economic cabinet, uh, secretary for, for economics, whatever, opportunity, what, what is it? <sighs> economic development, sorry. The secretary of economic development, <laughs> brain fart, come in, sit down and ask him questions about this deal. Ask him, have you looked into, and make it public, have you looked into SK Properties ties to China or SK Batteries ties to China? Have you answered the question of, how are we getting these supplies? Where are they coming from? SK normally pulls from Australia. What amount of Chinese material is coming into this? Have you asked the questions of, how, what does the actual future on electric vehicles look like when compared to also availability of raw resources? Ask questions like updating about updating power grids and how that will affect electric vehicles. Ask those questions, but I fear they won't. I'm going to tell you why they won't, because they've already taken the vote. And 250 million of the 410 million has already been cut. And if they start asking those questions, the deal won't look as rosy. And if the deal doesn't look as rosy, then all of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, voted to give $410 million to a horrible deal. And they don't want to ask those questions because they don't want to make themselves look bad. And it's unfortunate because this is still a plant years and years away from being completed. And I think the taxpayer who's given $410 million to this deal 
deserve some answers to these questions. Well, guys, that's what we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time, your attention. Um, please share this out. Talk to, talk to people about it. Share the podcast. Also, you can help out my campaign at C4KY.com. That's C4KY.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.